These are two competing forces. Now, now listen, if you're 14 years old or 12 years old, and it's a, it's a choice between Santa Claus and all the gifts you're going to get, and Jesus Christ and the birth of the Savior, you know, the kids are going with Santa Claus for the most part. And that's not a reflection of anything except that that's the carrot you just dangled in front of them. So this gets really philosophical at this point. But I got to tell you, I think I'm on to something. And I think where we've lost a lot of this is we've over-commercialized this holiday so much that by the time you get through all the weeds... And by the time you figure out what Christmas is and the fact that there was a manger there and that there, there were some, there were three kings who, you know, came to worship Jesus Christ, this baby that was born, you know, we're lost in all of it. I mean, we're totally lost in it. So that, and, and I went through this as a young lad myself, so I totally get it. So I kind of, you know, listen, hey, it, it, Dran, if it could be as simple, if I could have convinced my wife that, listen, if we could just lower the gift part of the program, forget all the list and all the running around like crazy people. So you want to get a gift or two for this? Uh, fine, keep it there. I mean, the three kings didn't bring in a couple of Mack trucks and a boat. I mean, they, they had a gift. Why can't we get back to a gift? But, you know, it's this circus attitude and atmosphere that drives me ballistic. What do you think? Well, I... Uh- I feel your pain, Malcolm. Actually, I totally agree with you. By the way, if you take the word Santa and you jimmy around the letters, it means Satan. Talk. Just talk. Because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Welcome to the show. Restoring faith in America is the conversation today. How do we bring in and enforce Christian values in government, education, media, and business? How do we do it? How do we restore faith in America? Joining me here, Dran Reese. She's the founder of the Salt and Light Council. I've been looking forward to chatting with Dran, actually, for a few weeks now. So uh, the Salt and Light Council, I want to tell you briefly what I know, which is not a lot, but we'll find out more from Dran. They provide a strategic program for activating the church to become a positive influence and witness for our Christian values in government, media, and education. They have churches activated, I understand, in 23 states, and they supply sort of a turnkey sustainable ministry. Going to be a fascinating conversation. Welcome to Talk, Dran Reese. Thank you, Malcolm. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, great. I want to start with this restoring faith in America. Let me ask you this tough question up front. I never said this was going to be easy, Dran, prior to getting on here. So buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How do we bring in and enforce Christian values in government, education, media, and business, Dran? Thank you for that loaded question. Well, Malcolm, I'd like to say it was an easy answer, but it is a many-step process because we have fallen so far away. And I hope over this time with you that we can go through some of those steps. But I would have to say if I were to pick a number one most important, it would be that the people of faith, the Christians that are out there, wake up and get engaged and get involved with their pastors in their churches. And we'd like to provide some of those methods for them. That has to be number one. You know, it's funny. I, I want to interject with you. My my close off and my tagline over the past many, many years has been get involved, get loud. Just right. talked about get involved. So there it is. 
Right. Well, you know, I have actually a new motto for this year, and it just came to me one day when I started thinking about the word uh, get, set, ready, go, because I feel like we have we have that now. This year with uh, the new president-elect, we have someone who is more friendly to our religious freedoms in America. So I, that word get, set, ready, go stands for God's eternal truth. Set means speak, educate, teach, ready, go, and do just that. And I think if we do, we can... Start start to see America turned around because, frankly, Christians are just about as ignorant as most of the other people out there about what our faith and values are and how they play out in the public square. Yeah, that's a good point, Ran, and and sometimes maybe even more so, uh, possibly. I want to ask you something. I did a show hmm, about uh, maybe two months ago or so with a, a man of the cloth, a pastor out in the West Coast, in California somewhere, actually, and the, t- the show of the, the title of the show was entitled, now listen to this, Is It possible that God has sent Donald Trump to America? Question mark. That was the title of the show we did, okay? Is it possible God has sent Donald Trump to America? Now, that gave a lot of people pause. I'll tell you another thing it did. There was a Christian group that I was very involved in, uh, and they got really upset with that title. They wanted me to take it and change it and move it off the platform, which I could not do that. And I really love these people, but they were upset with that title because they said they didn't like the politics being involved in religion, and so on and so forth forth. But, you know, we thought that title was very appropriate. And the title was to get people to think, which is sort of where you've started when you talked about the new administration coming in. So I want to ask you that question here. Is it possible? I mean, is it even possible, Dran Reese, that God has sent Donald Trump to America? That's a really good question. And for me, I'm going to have to say yes to that because our ministry is a good example of the mourning that we have been under for eight years. We started a prayer line, Malcolm, called R&R Prayer. Now, it should stand for rest and relaxation, but it actually starts for repentance and restoration. So we have been mourning and trying to bear fruit in keeping with repentance for eight years, just grieving over what's happened to our country. And I believe that the Lord heard our prayers and the prayers of many in this country and brought Donald Trump to us. And I do actually have a kind of a prophetic story to tell you. I was with uh, Pastor Tim Throckmorton out of Ohio at uh, one of the conventions when Donald Trump received his, his delegates, the New York delegates, to put him over the top. He has an app on his phone that is 714 on the uh, verse Second Chronicles 714 if my people who will uh, uh, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways uh, then I will hear and heal their land it rang exactly at that time he leaned over and showed that to me and my heart just leapt with joy I have to say I believe God has turned a corner and heard our prayers in America well, who had that app was it Trump or the pastor it was the pastor who was sitting next to me okay because I was almost floored if you were going to tell me Donald Trump had it on his phone. I was going to say, wow. Wow. Well, I have to also say, Malcolm, that I was part of a a coalition that met with Donald Trump in New York, and he is surrounded. In fact, my pastor, Pastor Jim Garlow, is on his uh, faith advisory team. And I can tell you without a doubt that America is in a very good place now, better than it's ever been in history. And I recently heard even David Barton speak. He says that we may not even be recognizing, but we are in the beginning of a revival in America. It's very exciting to see what's happening in America. Now, I I need to ask you, now, I I have to follow up on what you just said and ask you this. The points that you just make, Dran, are these points made because of November 8th, the election, or were these points made well prior to that? 
You mean as far as Donald Trump is concerned and whether he is uh, has been anointed for this time in history? Well, yeah, because you just preferenced that we're in this very interesting time in, our, in America, in our country. And it sounds like we should be really blessed and grateful for that. A lot of people are seeing a lot of doom and gloom out there and don't see that. And I'm just wondering, if, is this the renewed faith since the election or is it prior to that? Well, I think a lot of that, in answer to your question, it sort of kind of hinges on what side of the aisle you're on. <laughs> for those that that are not Donald Trump supporters, this is doom and gloom for them because all of the liberal issues that they wanted to advance are pretty much going to take a halt. And Washington, they're going to, I'm grateful for these words, drain the swamp. And I certainly hope that's going to be the case because government has not been a friend of the church and of family and religious freedom at all in the last eight years, clearly. So those, so on the other side of the aisle, we have the faith-based community. I would say for them, you know, we can't predict what God is going to do. We all were hopeful and prayerful that we would have, you know, an election where it would turn in our favor. Not saying that Donald Trump is the Christian or the person that we as people get behind, but the platforms of the parties. The Democrats have a platform, the Republicans, the Libertarians, clearly those platforms that they stand on which are similar to us as Christians, we have a Bible as our platform. If they represent our values, that's really the only choice we get. And I think as a Christian community, we chose wisely, and now we have to hold this man accountable. And I think that's going to happen. Yeah, that is the key, the accountability. We've sort of become uh, a little uh, naive in this country with accountability. We, we tend to elect these cats to office, and then we don't hold them, uh, hold them to the fire uh, to be able to, uh, you know, deliver. And do the things they say they were going to do. So I'm with you there, Dran Reese. I just, I do pray in that uh, we do hold all the politicians accountable because, you know, this is why we vote them into public office, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, to do what they so, say they're going to do. Well, you know, it's funny how you answer that question. And I know you didn't ask me what I thought, but I'm going to answer that if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, that, you know, I was curious to get your answer to that. And I really didn't know what it would be when I answered that question about Donald Trump. But, but here's the thing I also agree with you. I have a feeling. Now, now, it's not to say a lot of pe- a lot of folks in the Christian community were really upset and concerned with the fact that he wasn't religious enough or Christian enough or you know I use the word religious I throw that around you know what I mean by that you know and yet you know but yet a lot of people have to look and we're awfully prejudgmental these days are we not you know I mean right. how do we really even know anybody and why you know how do we really know what their relationship is with or without and you know and you know I grew up in the church in the Nazarene church dran by the way. And, you know, there was this overly religious, uh, better than thou attitude that came from a lot of the church members, quite frankly, uh, who, um, you know, just thought that you had to live a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way, talk a certain way, do a certain thing. And I just don't go for that. That's not what it's all about. That's not where our freedom and our liberty and our mindsets should come from. I think it's better to be comfortable and, and be who you are and, and, and but have that relationship with God. I, I don't think God uh, says, well, you know, you're a bad person because you wore shorts or you you wore jeans to church you're going to hell for that or i didn't like what you said or you know and this gets pretty heavy at this point but do you know where i'm going with that well i do malcolm 
I think that there is, if you're going to be a Christian and, and, and label yourself a Christian, there are certain uh, things that we must do to obey the Lord himself. And frankly, this is the pickle that we're in in America. We don't even know what being a Christian is all about. And I think this is the failing of the Christian church in America, not holding the people that come to church accountable for higher standards. We have, as a body of Christ, accepted a lower set of morals in our country, and that's certainly no small, um, uh, you know, uh, thanks to our media for indoctrinating us and our public education system for indoctrinating our children and the continual barrage, barrage, barrage that Christians are nothing but hypocrites, haters, and bigots. So it's almost unfashionable to be a Christian anymore when in fact Christianity is what what is holding American values together and holding this entire country together. We're like that thread that's weaved through uh, that's the only voice of morality because if we're gone, Malcolm, who's going to stand up and say no to evil? I believe, Malcolm, that while the church has become over the years a lot more welcoming, you can wear flip-flops and shorts, at the same time, you, Malcolm, as a Christian have to look at what's your reverence before God. How much do you revere God in your life? Is God worthy of only flip flops and, you know, and short? This is a personal relationship we're talking about now. Me personally, I get dressed. I want to look fairly good for the Lord when I go to church. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes I don't wear uh, tennis shoes, but I'm covered. I look appropriate for being in the company of other fellow fellows in church. And so I think this is really a moment where the body of Christ has to have a come to Jesus meeting. Are you, you know, what is your level of relationship with the Lord? I want to talk to you a moment about, we have this every year, the war on Christmas, Dran. There seems to be this, it's perpetual now. I just, I can set my watch to it almost every year, and I can see where the conversations stop coming out. And you know, when I was growing up as a young boy, I didn't, I never really understood early on what the whole Xmas thing was. I didn't, I didn't quite understand that this was as rude and as, as obnoxious as it is, that this was their way of taking Christ out of Christmas. I, I didn't quite get that as a young boy, that that was, but the more I understood and grew up, and then I realized, wow, I guess that really was what they were trying to do. But that's sort of when that started to surface back when I was growing up. I remember that Xmas coming out a lot. Um, and But then it's a lot more than just Xmas, of course, and Christmas. It's about the manger scene. It's about it's about in God we trust. It's about our national motto. It's about, you know, it's about our framers, our founders. It's about being a Christian nation. Uh, it's about all these things. But yet that seems to be in, um, in per- peril these days. Now, you just made the comment, oh, 10 minutes ago here, you were saying that, well, it's an exciting time right now in America and we're really excited there's some good things happening and we we've, this was really encouraging to me but yet what I just said is I believe a fact with the war on Christmas and the war on God and Christianity as a whole but talk to me about that a moment what's really behind all that because I, I do see it being stripped out of everything our, our schools you mention it and I kind of get the feeling you're sort of at the base of all this with education and government and the media which are really the three big evils in this as far as I can see Tell me what the real problem is here and why so many people are offended with being the fact that Christmas is Christ's birthday. I mean, that is the purpose of the holiday. Malcolm, you have hit the uh, million-dollar question. Uh, What is really going on? 
we do not have enough time on this radio program for that. And I would love to be able to tell your listeners what's really at the core, but I'm not sure they're ready for it because evil is really dark and it really is out there. And I'll tell you what, it hates Christians. It hates you. It hates me. And it's doing everything in its power to remove Christians, Christianity from the very foundation of this nation. So yes, there is a strategy. This is no just fluke happening, just a few anti-Christians, atheist groups out there that say they want to remove this. No, there's a well-oiled strategy at the core of all of this to remove Christianity and basically turn America into a country that uh, you and I would never recognize and certainly for the next generation. So this war on Christmas is is just a small part of the war on Christians, the church, and faith. And it is clearly here in America. Now, I want to give you some good news, Malcolm. This is the first year where all those happy holiday stores out there are returning to Merry Christmas. And let me tell you why. Because so many of us got so angry last year, and I'm one of them. I would walk into a store that said Happy Holidays, walk right up to the register with a big long line of people there, and I'd say, excuse me, ma'am, can you take a look at this? And then I'd open my wallet and I'd thumb through all of my dollar bills. And I'd say, you see this money here? You see this money? Because this is the money that I would have spent in your store had you said Merry Christmas instead of the politically correct Happy Holidays. But meanwhile, Merry Christmas to all, hopefully next year, and then I'd walk out. And many Christians did that or similar things, wearing you can say Merry Christmas badges, and we are beginning to see a turnaround because Christmas is clearly a national holiday for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to tell you, Dran, uh, I, I believe that is the singular purpose of Christmas. And, you know, as I grew up as a young man and I started seeing, and this is, goes back a few years now, but the over, uh, re, you know, the retailization, the way it was retailed out um, uh, Christmas as a young boy, uh, it kind of, I found it very strange, Dran, Dran, when you really understand what the purpose of and the meaning of Christmas is. I, I I don't know. I got really lost in it all, and I got I got really tired of Christmas. In fact, I really didn't enjoy the holiday anymore at all. I, I'm going to confess with you right now. I found it nothing but a rat race, getting ready for that day, all the preparation and the gifts and the go broke sort of attitude and the you know oh my it's like all of this and then you got to have 50 people over for the holiday. You work your tail off. I mean, I don't even remember what Christmas was at that point of my life. It was like wow, and yet I started to rebel against it, Dran. And I thought, you know what? I don't like this Christmas thing. Why don't we... And I kind of wanted to start a movement to take this gift-given business, what I call the retail holiday, move it to like February or March or some other part of the year where we can do that sort of thing and leave Christmas Christ's birthday alone. uh, Where, you know, and I I always chuckle, Dran, you may may or may not agree with me. Now, I don't know, but I always felt the three kings started a lot of trouble here, I'll tell you. There's a lot of great talent in the world, and that's why we have that right up top of America Out Loud. Let the silent voices be heard. And we're actually doing that back at America Out Loud Talk Radio. You'll find a whole great lineup of shows there. Check us out, americaoutloud.com. We podcast all the shows there. You'll, you'll find this show right there and many others. Or you'll find us also streaming now. We are on our own talk radio network. You'll find us on places like TuneIn. 
AHA Radio, Radio God FM, iTunes Radio, and a whole lot more. Well, listen, I want to talk to you about being organized in your life. I know it's important for all of us. I want to introduce you to Closets by Design. You know, this is just a great company. It's a national firm. They're on the West Coast, but you'll find them, a lot of their retail centers throughout the United States. Whether it's a closet, garage, home office, laundry, pantries, just about everything these folks have. Check them out closetsbydesign.com Again, stay tuned. We've got a great show here today. That is so funny. You know, you, you said a lot of things there. Actually, there was a little part of me as a businesswoman, because I do have a company, Ready America. We, we sell disaster preparedness products that really relies on this time of year to meet our year-end budget goals. So, you know, I'm a little conflicted there because it has become uh, an economic boom for businesses to have these holidays. Now, of course, our taste buds have increased over the years to want more and more and more. And that's uh, now scripturally, if you really look at that, what we would call greed, jealousy. You know, we want what other people have. We want all these fine purses and bags and cars. So, yes, I'm going to agree with you, Malcolm. It has become an an absolute circus at Christmas. And when I was raising my kids, it was very challenging for us to keep the meaning of Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus Christ in the time of giving to the poor, caring for those that are lost, that don't have families, and then coming together as a sense of family and celebrating and reading the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior who saved us from all of this insanity. See, but so, but, but, Dran, how, but here's the thing now with what you just said, and I agree with that. But yes. then how do we do that when I got to tell you what the kids, now I got a 12 and a 4, uh, well, he's actually 13 now, 13 and 14 year old. And let me tell you this, they just know that they make a Christmas list with all these gifts on it. And they believe that Santa's going to fill this uh, list up every year, that this is the whole thing. So now, you, see, this is where I think we went wrong, Dran. I'm just putting it out here for you now, but this is really what I believe. Santa Claus is competing with Jesus Christ. Christ. So who who is Santa Claus? I mean, where does he come from, I wonder? Because he ain't the three kings, so is he part of the devil's program? Now hold on before you answer that. But really, these are two competing forces. Now now listen, if you're 14 years old or 12 years old, and it's a, it's a choice between Santa Claus and all the gifts you're going to get, and Jesus Christ and the birth of the Savior, you know, the kids are going with Santa Claus for the most part. And that's not a reflection of anything except that that's the carrot you just dangled in front of them. So this gets really philosophical at this point. But I got to tell you, I think I'm on to something. And I think where we've lost a lot of this is we've over-commercialized this holiday so much that by the time you get through all the weeds, and by the time you figure out what Christmas is, and the fact that there was a manger there, and that there there were some, there were three kings who, you know, came to worship Jesus Christ, this baby that was born. You know, we're lost in all of it. I mean, we're totally lost in it. So that, and, and I went through this as a young lad myself, so I totally get it. So I kind of, you know, listen, hey, Dran, if it could be as simple, if I could have convinced my wife that, listen, if we could just lower the gift part of the program, forget all the list and all the running around like crazy people. So you want to get a gift or two for this? uh, Fine. Keep it there. I mean, the three kings didn't bring in a couple of Mack trucks and a boat. They had a gift. Why can't we get back to a gift? But, you know, it's this circus attitude and atmosphere that drives me ballistic. What do you think? Well, I... 
I feel your pain, Malcolm. Actually, I totally agree with you. By the way, if you take the word Santa and you jimmy around the letters, it means Satan. See? See? Yes. Yes. So you're on to something. I will say this, Malcolm. I, hold on. I think I, th- I think we're on to something big here, Dran Reese. I, I think we're on to something big because this 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 Santa, this is a distraction. This Santa dude, Satan, is a distraction. And listen, they dress him up in red. They put a lot of white little frilly things on him. He looks jovial. But isn't that the carrot? Come on. Think about it. Well, it's anything to take your eyes off of Jesus. Now, remember this, Malcolm, and I say this to you and all your listeners. You're the parent, and I'm the parent. And it's the parent's responsibility to train their children up in the way they should go. And we as parents better get right before the Lord and do what is right during Christmas time. Now, you can make Christmas chaotic like you were talking about, or you can make it a time of worship. I want to share just one or two things that we did as a family. We started traditions around a house. One of them was that we had a thank you Christmas box. And every year we would have our children write thank you. What are they thankful for for the entire year? And then mail it in this this box to which I still have all of those thank yous. Then we would sit down at dinner and we would go around the table and the, there would be a question that would be posed to them. What has Jesus done for you? this year and they would have to answer that and so as a family and then of course we would go to new year's eve celebrations or not new year's eve but a christmas eve celebrations at our church and do the candle lighting together so that we could show fellowship and in our home we had candles and we had the um we had the crosses and we had the nativity scenes so for us you know it is a challenge because technically christmas is a pagan holiday It just so happens to be what we as a Christian community have been given. But I totally agree with you. When our children are focusing on what they're going to get rather than who Jesus is, as parents, we've failed. Dran, explain to me why it's a pagan holiday. Why is Christmas that? I didn't know that. Well... Christmas is considered a pagan holiday. It was uh, actually, a, uh, and so is Easter, Eshtar. These are days, and uh, I don't have all of my facts with me right now, but just to share with you, it was just a time during the time of Constantinople when he kind of, he, he just wanted to be uh, well uh, received by his constituents, and he wanted Christianity. He was the first one that stopped the persecution of Christianity, and so a lot of their holidays got blended in with uh, their pagan holidays. So the tree actually is a representative of of, uh, of a pagan holiday that they have there, but we then take it to mean uh, this is where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So it is a pagan holiday technically, but I would say that for Christians, that it has been received as our time of celebration for Jesus Christ. For that, I'm grateful. And I think that we should really embrace that and make it a time of, of sharing who Jesus is, what we can do to help others, and how we can turn our nation back to respecting this as a holiday of Christianity and not of, you know, retail... 
you know, madness. Well, retail. They're yeah. hurting each other now for for TVs. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, it's I, I've reported on that, on that on national radio many, many times, and we've always, you know, told the stories and then chuckled about it. But it's actually, the stories are pretty sick, actually. Uh, the way people claw and hurt each other. And there are deaths, actually, at these stores at Christmas time. Listen, you just mentioned Christmas being a pagan holiday and Easter, which kind of blew my mind because I didn't know that. But I did know that Halloween is. Isn't Halloween a, a pagan holiday? Halloween is the worst of all because it's worshiping the devil. And, you know, as parents... We think it's a very cute holiday and, you know, to let our kids get all dressed up. And I've got to admit, you know, I'm a compromised Christian on so many levels. I say I'm a Christian, but I'm kind of a lousy one in some respect. I did let my children participate in Halloween. But the difference was that I would not let them dress up in devilish outfits witch outfits. They had to dress up as angels or as shepherds. So I tried to keep it real and the focus on Jesus Christ. Interesting. Uh, So you really did try to find the compromise in all of that, Dran. That's a fascinating way to look at it and do that. But you know, I'm wondering fundamentally here, I think there's a bigger problem. And I'm scratching my head here right now, now that you've just enlightened me with Easter and Christmas and knowing we all know what Halloween was already. And but why is it that all these holidays that supposedly we are celebrating as a community, as a nation, why are they all evil? And why? who, Who set that program up? I mean, this kind of really leaves me scratching my head now. It's kind of like we've been set up for doom and gloom, Dran. Well, Malcolm, you have to look at the positive side of all of this. And the fact is that we have these set holidays in American history where we can at least worship the Lord, our Savior, on different times. I mean, Easter is a time where we take that to be He is risen. We have Good Friday, you know, His resurrection. So, And actually, that does fall into line with the Passover, the Jewish feast uh, Passover. So it's not all bad, Malcolm. Again, I think as Christians, and we're focusing a lot on the holidays and the paganism behind them, I think what we have to do is we have to get back to the original meaning of it. Now, the reason why we're so off track in America is because people don't value their Christianity anymore. They don't go to church the way they used to. The stats are now that we're at a 10% biblical worldview. Actually, I take that back. 10% of of Americans are all that read the Bible anymore. So 90% of Americans are almost completely ignorant of what the scriptures say. So if you're ignorant of what God has to tell you, you're ignorant of how all these things uh, fit together and how to view them in your life. No, it makes sense. It makes sense, Dran. But I I, I think we've, I've really enjoyed just what we've just talked about because I learned uh, some new things, but I am scratching my head and I, I think there's a bigger problem here. I, I don't know. Something gives me a, a funny feeling. And, and I'm not being a funny guy here. But, you know, as I go back in history and you talk about, and, and I, I get what you're saying, Dran. You say, Malcolm, lighten up a bit. I mean, these holidays are what they are and we compromise. And But then you kind of went full circle and said, well, are we even a good Christian by acknowledging those? And But this is what I did to fix that. I get all that. But I'm still wondering on the bigger piece. I think somehow we're missing something as a nation and as a people of communities here. The fact that these holidays are all in place and they all are, as you are suggesting, pagan holidays, really gives me pause as to why we take these days and these moments to celebrate, which tells me that the devil's agenda is alive and well. Not that I never thought it wasn't, but I mean, this is an absolute confirmation of it. And let's face it, Dran, 
There is an awful lot of negativity and evil in the world. There is no question in my mind the difference between evil and good exists at this moment like never before. goes on. Yeah. So here's what we as Christians have to do is we acknowledge that there always would be a battle for our faith, but we all we continue to focus on Jesus Christ. Here here's something that might inspire you. All right, well first of all, Thanksgiving I think is an amazing holiday and that starts off in November, but I want you to think about the trifecta of holidays that we have. And while they may have, you know, Christmas uh, in in pagan roots, it actually is a symbol of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here it goes. Thanksgiving is a national holiday. Why? Because it's not about us thanking our dad and our mom for the house we live in our cars. It's about thanking God. It became a national holiday for thanking God through prayer and fasting. So when a person's relationship with Jesus Christ begins, the very first level that it takes is gratitude. The second level that a walk with faith takes is the understanding of forgiveness of sins, which is why the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for us. And that we know through the second of the holidays, which is Christmas. Jesus was born as our savior for the sins of the world. And then you have New Year's, because just as you become a new life, when you accept Jesus Christ, we have the New Year's to start all over again. So so think of it more from a trifecta of holidays in support of the recreation and transformation of a new life in Jesus Christ. And I think a transformation we can all use, and that, that is some good words of advice. Sure, I spent a lot of sleepless nights on what we were going to call this show. You know, a lot of fancy names like any big-time talk radio show. You want to have a great name. So I looked at a lot of them, and I come up with a great name for you. We're going to call it Talk. Just Talk. Welcome to Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Thanks for listening. We are talking this afternoon here with Restored Faith in America. Dran Reese joins us. She's the founder of the Salt and Light Council. Saltandlightcouncil.org is the website. I was there just today. And there's a whole lot on there to find out. Now, Dran, from what I see, I want to take a moment and talk about it because I don't give us uh, the the sense of what the Salt and Light Council is because you're saying that you kind of activated churches. uh, Churches were activated in 23 states. It sounds like it's quite interesting. Tell me what's going on there. Malcolm, the Salt and Light Council is here to do exactly what I believe is on your heart to do. If every Christian in America were to go back to their pastor and say, Pastor, I'd like to get more deeply involved in what's going on in the culture, and ask his pastor to start a salt and light biblical citizenship ministry, and that's nothing more than being the salt of the earth, right, sprinkling our faith, and light, which means exposing evil, or even for this matter, for that matter, when the light bulb goes off in your head and you finally go, aha, I've got it, through education. The pastor will generally say, yes, I'd like to start one of these ministries. The pastor cannot do it alone. It, you know, Malcolm, I look at it this way, and this is a really good lesson for your listeners out there. And I use this analogy because I have a business. If I have a business selling coffee cups and my coffee cup business is down and I need to increase sales, the very first place I look to increase sales, Malcolm, do you know the answer to that? Where would be the very first place? 
that you would go to increase sales of coffee cups? I'd go to people who drink coffee. You would go, you're almost there, to your existing customer base. So I asked myself one day, if the moral condition of America is so depressed and declining at rapid rates, where's the very first place you go where morality is even bothered to be talked about on a regular basis? What would you say to that? Where would you go, Malcolm? Tell me. The church. The church is the only place in America every Sunday that gets up there and talks about morality on some level. This is the problem with America. This is the solution to America. And the enemy knows it well. That's why they're under attack. That's why when our founding fathers came to this country and they put a stake in the ground, the very first document that they made was the, May, was the Mayflower Compact, which said this is a Christian nation. By the way, the Mayflower was a missionary group coming to found a Christian nation. We are a Christian nation. And until we return to our Christian roots and put God first in our lives, we will cease to exist as a culture. This is what the Bible says with every culture throughout history. When God perishes, so do the people. But Malcolm, I think we're on a reversal right now. I think we have an opportunity for the next eight years to do what is right, and it's going to take all hands on deck. So that's why our ministry exists, Malcolm, is to give people an opportunity to do something. And it's very simple. And I'd love for every one of your listeners to look into our ministry and get one of these in their individual church. Very simple process. Well, Dran, I like it. So it's really kind of adjunct to a lot of the churches that are in play already who can initiate this, yeah? Yes. Perfect. Uh, it's very simple to put put into play. It, it, it's actually a very fun ministry. You get to know people. You get to, to um, you know, all the people in your church. You get to work with your pastor, and you make a difference. Uh, people run for office. They start praying. They get educated in biblical worldview, cultural issues. It's exciting. It's very exciting. We can actually, we can do this, Malcolm. You know, you asked me, you know, what's it going to take for a renewed Christian America? I could actually tell you what that plan is. We can't do it all in this radio program, but I can tell you how it can be done. Well, I tell you what, you, you, and I want to talk about that because you mentioned on your site, you talk about the church's part in the restoration of our culture. And then you talk about the government can be restored by, and you, you list some bullet points there. And they're fascinating. Some of them are controversial, yes. But you take a look at the church's part in the restoration of our culture. And you talk about being biblically correct and not politically correct is one of the first ones. A lot of people would agree with that. Some would argue with that. Uh, and you kind of come down in a series of these. Talk to me about that part of it, the church's part in the restoration of our culture, please. Well... I would argue with anyone who would say that they want to be politically correct. Political correctness is actually a Marxist strategy that was imported here from Germany. This is what these folks are trying to do to silence the church. Basically, it is political correctness. The other word for it is self-censorship. So if you're self-censoring because you don't want to offend anybody, then you aren't being scriptural. I don't know a time in the Bible where Jesus didn't walk up to the government officials and said, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers. This is what we have to have is courage. And Jesus gives us courage. He tells us how we're supposed to attack government in America. And that's with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what we're now doing is we're actually letting them cover us and bury us under dirt as if we're uh, the criminals in America. Christians have become the criminals for speaking up for truth, for what is right and good. 
This is where it has to stop. And the pastors, pastors out there that are truly pastors will be biblically correct, not politically correct. And I really have to say that if a pastor is politically correct, that is not a good church. And I can tell your listeners the biblically correct churches out there, and they need to jump ship from those politically correct because they'll never grow as a Christian. Fran Reese, I agree with what you just said in its entirety. And, you know, you come back to these bullet points right now where you say, again, as I said, the first one, being biblically correct and not politically correct, I I totally agree with you, but exercising our God-given rights and using our voice, refusing to be silenced and marginalized. The reason I love all of these, by the way, and the reason I think you're onto something is because much of this is my mission. When I talk about, you know, the fact of to get involved, to get loud, is to get loud is to be truthful. It just means to be not politically correct, but to be, and, but, you know, but that still means Strand, I do want to. I do want to put an asterisk on this. To me, this is my asterisk, anyways, not your asterisk or our listeners' asterisk. But my asterisk is. But yes, to do those things, but to still be ladies and gentlemen. I still believe we can be proper to each other and not be. You know, it's like a well. It's just like radio, for instance. A lot of people get on radio and they scream their heads out till their veins pop, and they call each other names, and they think that that's entertainment somehow, and that people want to hear that, or they talk about the same stuff day and day out about how the other people stink, about how conservatives uh, stink or liberals stink or, you know, but there's this disrespect in the country. There's a disrespect into having uh, diverse opinions. There's a disrespect to just a a common decency, Dran. And I think that's where we've gone astray. This disrespect that is so alive and well where we don't respect our differences uh, without calling each other names. You know, you heard about road rage. We I talk about social media rage. We're talking right now about just you know, the public religious rage. There has to be a respect. You know, Tran, I talk all the time about, you know, I'm not in a position to judge people, Tran. It's not my position to judge folks. I remind myself every day. By the way, there's certain principles I have, Tran, that I'm very comfortable with. I get up every day, no matter what is going on for that day or what's happening, is to have gratitude. Have gratitude to the point that we can have gratitude. No matter what the complications are that day, stop and count your blessings. You know, and so I think it is important that we all have some level of gratitude for being alive and being able to breathe and enjoy these things. There's a lot to this conversation. We make a lot of conscious decisions. We stress ourselves out with our emotions. We talk a lot about this back at America Out Loud, friends. We have a lot of dynamic shows back there, Dran. You got to check out where we talk about exactly a lot of the things that we're talking about right now. And it does get me excited to get into a lot of this to really understand. But so my mission and my philosophies would work very well into where you're coming from where you're talking about the church's part in the restoration of our culture. I think it's part of all of our restoration to do these things, Dran. I think these are great reminders. Learning to love and spurred in truth those with unbiblical doctrines and ideologies. You say it right there. Right. You know, you say it. Maintain a religious freedom as ordained by God. Absolutely. You know what? I'm going to let God do the judging here. I'm not going to judge. And and I remind myself of that every day. And if I get ahead of myself, Dran, my little guy comes out on my shoulder and says, Malcolm, stop. Just stop it. 
That's right, Malcolm. Well, I'm glad that, that you have that little voice in the back of your head that says, this is the way, walk in it. And I hope that this is actually what will become of America, will become respectful. And we will do things in love, not in anger. And I have to say that anybody who operates from a level of anger needs to take a real good hard look at who they are. Because anger is actually a sin. And they need to go to the Bible and figure out how they can deal with that in their lives. And that's unfortunate because the other side oftentimes uh, works on that level and it's very, very intimidating and scary for a lot of Christians. So this is why Salt and Light is here, is we want to teach something. I'm going to give you a new word. It's called evangeletics, evangeletics, which is evangelism and apologetics combined. Evangelic, evangelic. I thought it yeah. was going to be some sort of you doing e- e- evangelistic things while you're doing aerobics or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, apologetic skills is learning how to be able to talk to people who do not have your same persuasion or faith and leaving them with love and a stone in their shoe where they're drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if all the Christians in church were equipped with those skills, Malcolm? What a changed world it would be. Well, the whole world would be so much different, but people are not because they're not authentic. That's the point. And that's the reason for our ministry is that we're going back into the churches to really bone up the people that are there with their faith and values and really call out the lukewarm Christians. You know, God says he'll spit those out. You're either hot for the Lord Jesus Christ or you are cold, but pick one. If this is the day that you decide what side of the aisle that you are going to be on. And for me and as far as my household, we will serve the Lord. Well, you know, Duran, it's funny, we're talking about this too, because you're so right in that way. And I think, well, again, there's a lot of key words to me. We just talked about gratitude. Another one of my key words is authenticity. Uh, I just believe you're so far ahead of the program when you are an authentic person. Now, I live an authentic life in who I am. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. I don't really care (laughs) whether you like it or you don't like it, because I don't live for what your emotions are as to what my life is. So I am an authentic person. So now that that irritates some people, Dran Reese, because they say, who does this Malcolm think he is that he can just say whatever he wants to say or do whatever he wants to do? You know, I decided some years ago to bring faith into my platform, and it was very controversial at the time, and it offended a few people. And you know what? I don't really care, Dran. You know what? They can stand in line and take a number. It doesn't matter to me. Well, God bless you. If you're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are blessed. And for all those people that poke fun at you, they're they're mocking you. And it says in Psalm 1, don't stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but meditate on the word day and night. And it will be like a a tree planted by a river. And you're, you, you know... When somebody is in times of trouble and you've been studying the, the the word of the Lord and you know how to apply it to the culture, you're ready to give an answer to these people who are perishing. We are being set up right now, Malcolm, for great and mighty things by the Lord. And your listeners are going to choose to be in the supernatural. And I do mean the supernatural anointing of the Lord from now going forward or not. I choose to be in the supernatural anointing. And what that means is that I don't get an opinion anymore. It is not about what I think. I have chosen to have God's opinion in all manner. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to be glad and rejoice in it. And I'm going to hope that whoever I meet who doesn't have the Lord, that I have the courage at that moment and the skills and the patience and the love to tell them about Jesus Christ at every opportunity. 
truthpr.com. If you're looking for some truth in the media, you're looking to maybe have some press releases or create some publicity in your life, this would be the firm to use. Jackie Jones is the proprietor there. Truthpr.com. Find out a whole lot more there, friends. Now, let's get back to the show. Having a great conversation here with Dran Reese. I would I knew I was looking forward to meeting her. This is I meeting her today for the first time, as you all are. And I knew I was looking forward to this. I you, somehow you just know. I don't know why you know, but you know. You, I guess it's your gut. And when I put your name on the schedule and it was confirmed with the publicist and all, I thought, hmm. I And I looked at your background a bit and I said, I, I'm going to look forward to this conversation with Dran Reese. And I didn't know everything of what you were about, Dran, but something told me that there would be a good connection here. So again, Dran is founder of the Salt and Light Council, saltandlightcouncil.org. You'll find out a whole lot there. And again, it's a, it's a sort of ministry which you can um, embrace, if you will, uh, within your own church, in your own environment, uh, and embrace it and have value with that, with a lot of the things that Dran has worked on. And she has uh, people, I'm sure, that work in this environment um, uh, with the Salt and Light Council, and you're activated in 23 states now. So it really, it sounds to me like, Dran, it's almost a bit of a movement. It's almost sort of a movement you're doing, huh? Well, I would like to say that it's a movement, but most of all, it's a movement for Jesus Christ. The bottom line is what you talk about. you got to get your voice out there. The squeaky wheel always gets the oil. And frankly, our elected officials out there are passing God's laws incorrectly and lording over us with taxes, with the marriage issue, with the transgender, you name it. These are not of God's law. So we as Christians better raise our voice or we're going to lose the very foundations of our nation. So this is about taking a toe dip back into the culture war, not diving people right in where they have to face off with, you know, so many of these people that they hear are getting persecuted. It's about learning the techniques and the skills and getting the biblical wisdom in your life so that you're able to walk into any room with anybody at any time and discuss any subject at on any level. You'll be able to have a few uh, pieces of information and wisdom to be able to carry on these conversations and more so turn it back so that we can start building once again a nation based on Christian principles and foundations. We have a lot of work to do, Malcolm. Well, we do. And we started this segment off, Adran, where I sort of want to end it with you on. And that is that we spoke about that you felt really good. You were excited in the fact that other people around you were and the fact that we're sort of at a new day in America and that there's hope and a vision. And, you know, I consider myself very, very much an optimist. Uh, very much. I mean, that's what I live for is uh, to always know there's a bright future and we're working hard towards awesome things. And so you started it there and you gave me hope and you gave all of our listeners hope uh, with the fact that you've seen that. And I asked you back and forth when we talked about the Trump bit, although we didn't get too far down the road in politics. But one of the things that you have on your site is the that, that I thought would be an interesting place to end is that the government can be restored by. And you come out and you list some things. And, you know, it's always 
one of these catch-22, Strand, where how much government is too much government? And, you know, and again, it's a whole liberal conservative conversation. Conservatives say they want less government. Liberals say they want more government. But conservatives act like liberals in the past many election cycles. So you really can't tell the difference between them, quite frankly. Uh, And that's been my mission, is to try to differentiate and understand where people are coming from. But I think the lines are blurred when it comes to government and with our, our people and Americans. Um, but there's this whole thing when you get into, again, a lot of the kids today in the millennials, Dran, and this is a pretty heavy conversation. It's an interesting way to wrap up for us because I'll tell you, it, it, you read the back to the whole politically correct conversation, the millennials and the kids, they are so knowledgeable and they know so much about gay marriage, about transgender. I cannot believe how my 12-year-old was talking about these things. At 12 years old, I was playing with Tonka trucks. I had no idea what was going on with body parts and transgender things and what, what, what? And today, they like, this is like all over the schools. And my kids go to a Christian school, by the way, and they know everything about, and it's like the hip thing somehow, that they all talk about transgender and gay marriage and lesbian and this and that. It's like a dram. It's so much part of the pop culture. I'm lost. I don't know what to say. And I'm not approved. And I don't tell people how to live their life. I think, again, I'm going to let God judge people. But, I mean, I'm a little, isn't it a little over the top at this point? Trent, do you want to comment on that? or? Oh, wow. Well, you've said a lot of things in there. Uh, you know, I, I do. I'm very saddened by what uh, information has been uh, downloaded to our youth. And they are basically indoctrinated at this point. And yes, um, we have fallen so far away. Again, this is um, even in the Christian schools because the access to media is very dangerous. The level of access, basically the sexual revolution right now, uh, without going into great detail, is actually a planned strategy on our youth because that's how you destroy civilizations is that you destroy the natural modesty of youth. And so you start by picking on the kids. You pick on them first. And that's why the public school system, uh, you know, you can get an abortion without your mother even knowing about it. They can take you across straight lines for an abortion. I find that criminal. As a parent, if my daughter was raped by an older man or a, someone in school, I want to know about it. Or if, if she in, was involved in a sexual activity. But this is how bad our public school systems and, frankly, some of the Christian schools have become. Many of the teachers, even in the Christian schools, are not truly Christians. I know because my kids went to a Christian school and I found that really egregious. So again, training our children is the responsibility of the parents and it is the parents' responsibility. However your kids turn out, it is a direct reflection on the parents and what we are doing to combat all these evils there. But I will say this, I'm with you. This sexual indoctrination uh, is horrible. It's leading to, um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but even in uh, the Planned Parenthood is the one that developed the sex education classes in our public schools. Well, Planned Parenthood, we know, is, is famous for selling baby body parts and getting three to five abortions from every kid before the age of 17. We know that as fact now. Not to mention the fact that uh, Hugh Hefner, in part, was one of the donors to Planned Parenthood. What's Hugh Hefner's life? And how did Hugh Hefner become who he was? From a guy named Alfred Kinsey. So if you start taking the trail of where we are today all the way back to its roots you can see that there has always been a trail if you take it back to the trail of its roots you'll probably end up in satan's den well it is it's very satanic and that's the whole point of it it is uh, here's what it is it's walking without god 
All of these people just want to go after the lust of the flesh and make money doing it. The lust of the flesh. As Christians and believers, it's hard to be a Christian. You know why? Because we have to say no to the things that we'd like to say yes to most of the time. It's so much easier to say yes, but it takes character and dignity and fortitude and purpose and resolve to follow the Lord. And I want to be one of those people. Pray that the rest of the people on this radio station will choose to do what is hard, and that is to obey the Lord. But when you do, I tell you, the rewards are great. You lead a healthy, well-balanced, beautiful life, and your family is normal and not all bent out of shape. There you go, Dran Reese, a great conversation. We call it Restoring Faith in America. 